how about we give it up for Andy and Andy's uh, crew for putting this thing on? Oh my God! This is uh, this, this is really something. Thank you, Andy. Um, my name is Chris. I am an alcoholic. Uh, you, you know, I I'm really grateful to be here. There's there's something going on out in this area. I've been out here a, a couple of times, and, and I always enjoy it. And today is just start, the t t two speakers that we you know today is starting off really good. And uh, and, and it, you know um, I'm really really happy to be a part of this. Now now my uh, my job today is going to be to, to talk on step four. Um, step four, he, here's, here's, here's what I, how I see step four today. I see step four and five as incredibly deep today. Like, like when, I, when I first approached step four and five, it was about, you know, yeah, I'm mad at Harry, you know, because of this, and, you know, I'm afraid of the police. Yeah, I, I see... I, you know, I look into the spiritual principles and exercises of step four today, and, and they hit me where, where I am with, you know, multiple decades of recovery, and it truly is kind of amazing. I want to I tell you a little bit about my alcoholism so you know that I'm, I'm in the right room. Um, <laughs> I drank, <laughs> and... Uh, and, and it was of concern to a lot of people that I was drinking around. Uh, from the get-go, from the get-go, I understood that, that, that I drank different than most of the people that I was hanging out with. I was always the drunkest guy. I was always the person that was in trouble. I was always the person that passed out. It, you know, it, it, was, uh, it, it was a mess. And, and I, had a, I had a relationship with alcohol. The very first time I got drunk, the very first time I got drunk, it was me and two of my buddies, and we decided we were going to cut school, and we were going to go back to my house, and we were going to get drunk. This is going to be, this is going to be cool. I'm like 13, and we do that. We go back to my house. I pull out a bottle of, dusty bottle of Four Roses liquor, and I pour out three water glasses, a warm Four Roses. Uh, to this day, I would have a, Pavlovian retching response, if you put that underneath my nose. Because what happened next was not good. Uh, but what happened was we all sat down, we started drinking, and, and the, the two guys that I was with had, I suppose, what would be a normal reaction to alcohol. I don't know anything about that. But they had two-thirds of their glass and they pushed it back. They had had enough. Now, what happened to me was I finished my glass, I grabbed their glasses, I did as much damage to the bottle as I possibly could, and I came to in a field with like six missing hours. It was my first blackout. I'm 13 years old. I go into a, a blackout drunk. Any blackout drinkers in here? Yeah, Leo's hands. <laughs> So, so this recording is going to go back to my home group. So, so I just I, I want to make the announcement that all 1,200 people here <laughs> raised their raised, raised their hand. Now, now, so, so, so blackouts are disconcerting, aren't they? You, you, you know, like where was I? You know, how did I get to Pika? Had to get to Topeka, and where's my other shoe? You know, it just it, it, and and from from the get go, that's that's kind of how I uh, how I drank. So uh, so 
right out of the gate, I started to figure out I've got to learn how to manage this alcohol, right? So I'm not going to drink four roses anymore. I'm going to, you know, I've got to look around. I've got to figure out how to make this work because not drinking was immediately out of the, out of the question for me because alcohol did something for me. Alcohol did something for me. I, I only realized it looking back in retrospect, but, but I was disconnected in a way that was very profound from you, from my world, from the spirit. Uh, I, I, there was a disconnection there. And, and what happened with that disconnection is it made me, it gave me a toxic experience of self-consciousness. I, and I, I believe, I believe at heart, that's what alcoholism is. It's a toxic experience of self-consciousness. And, and why I think that way was, I was always uncomfortable with myself and my environment from kindergarten on, right? I never felt connected to, I was always worried. Like, well, what are they, what, you know, uh, what are they gonna say? You know, maybe, you know, maybe they're gonna pick on me. Oh, I hope they don't call me for an oral report. Oh, the cops are behind me. Oh, yeah. I mean, just everything was this, this, this uh, experience of self-consciousness. And when I picked up that bottle of Four Roses whiskey, it was the first time I was free of that. It was, it was, it, it's on now. This is great. This is great. You're my two new best friends. You know, this is, this is the coolest place. It's the coolest time. You know, we're going to do this tomorrow. You know, I, I mean, I just, I felt larger than life. Uh, all that self-centered fear was off me. And so, so giving up alcohol wasn't, wasn't an option. So, so because, because it was the, the freedom from Chris potion, you know? So, so I start moving along, trying to manage alcohol. I'm sure everybody in here has done it, whether they've done it consciously or unconsciously. We do it with pot. We do it with cocaine. We, we do it by changing brands. Like, I went from hard liquor to beer, you know? And, I mean, all, the, all, the, all these machinations to be able to continue to use alcohol without going into a blackout in, in 60 minutes, you know? So, so I'm, moving, I'm moving forward with, with my life. And what I see again in retrospect is the alcohol, although it offered me temporary reprieve from the bondage of Chris, it made the bondage of Chris worse. So what I mean by what I mean by that is the toxic experience of self-consciousness in between drinks was getting worse. And so I was drinking more to escape it. And it got to the point at the end of my drinking where it wasn't working anymore. It wasn't, it wasn't giving me the escape that I was looking. I used to have this beautiful beautiful escape between drink six and drink nine and what it would look like it was it, it would look like this ah. and alcohol stopped doing that for me instead what I was turning into was a psychotic lunatic you know which, which ruins the atmosphere you know anywhere you are when you try to kill people and stuff you know they don't they don't like it so, 
So, so it, it gets to the, it got to the point where there just wasn't anything left in alcohol, but now I'm so deep into it, I can't separate from it. Uh, I would come to in the morning wearing the clothes that I had passed in the night before. You know, I'd stagger, you know, up to the bathroom because I got to be at work in half an hour. I'd throw some water on my face, do a couple vomiting calisthenics, you know, sta stagger out to my, to my $100 car and go off to my terrible job. And the whole time, you know, for years I used to think that I had hangovers. But looking into it more deeply, what I found is I wasn't suffering from hangovers. I was suffering from alcohol poisoning. Like when you're in toxic end-stage alcoholism, it's not a little hangover, you know? You don't take a couple of aspirin and everything's good. No, you, you've, you've compromised your biomechanics with ethyl alcohol. And, and so, so I'd stagger off to, to work. I'd, you know, I'd drive off to work, swearing to God that today's the day. Today's the day I'm gonna give up drinking. I'm gonna give it up. I mean it. I, Listen, I know I've said this 973 times, but there's something different about this time. I mean it this time. And if, you, if you'd put a lie detector on my wrist and ask me, Chris, are you going to give up drinking today? Yes. That needle would go. This guy's telling the truth. Uh, you, you know, Las Vegas would put odds on it that I'm never drinking again. But what would happen is, what would happen is, slowly over the course of the day, I'd get, I'd get rehydrated, I'd get half a sandwich down, you know, it was a terrible day at work, they were all terrible, and, 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 you know, and quitting time's coming, and I'd start to say, you know, you know that decision this morning about, you know, never ever drinking again, that's, that, that, you know, that's kind of an overreaction, I think, you know, to, to this, to this whole thing, and, uh, and that decision might need to be modified uh, a, a little bit. As a matter of fact, I'm going to modify it right now by going to the liquor store. Now, now that's how deep I'm into alcoholism. Like, I swore I was not going to drink. That's a sane and sound decision. Knowing what I know about what alcohol does to me and the risks involved with that, not drinking is a sane and sound decision. How do I become insane over the day enough to drive right to the liquor store from work and, and start the whole cycle over again. That's alcoholism. They describe it in the book, Alcoholics Anonymous is the obsession of the mind. You know, we, 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 don't have, uh, uh, we don't have a sufficient defense against the first drink. We are powerless. So I've got, I've got this toxic experience of self-consciousness. Every single waking moment, you know, my thinking mind is, it's not in the now. It's, it's rehashing, you know, things that had happened to me, you know, those bastards, you know. I, I can't believe, you know, that my boss said that, you know. And if I'm not caught up in all the, the turmoil and the resentment of the past, I'm caught up in the anxiety of the future. I'm, I'm you know, I'm, I, I know what's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to go in, and I'm, you know, the boss is going to give me words, and I'm going to give him words back. I'm going to probably have to hit him. And, you know, and, and, and if I hit him, you know, I'm, I'm going to lose my job, and then if I lose my job, I won't have any money, and, you know, I, I won't have a place. I won't, my, my driver's like, oh. You know, and this, this, is, this goes on constantly in my head, this, this, being, this being trapped in, in this experience of 
self-consciousness. And I'm, I'm an alcoholic, so my reaction is always going to be to find some alcohol and just to try to maybe quiet all those, all those voices. Now, now, I show up sober in Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, what, what had happened was it was, uh, it was in between Christmas and New Year's of, of uh, 1989. Uh, I, I was living with mom, you know, because of, of just how, what, how, how, how amazing I could handle the world. You know, I'm 32 and, you know, back home with mom. Uh, and uh, and Christmas is happening there. Like so, my brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews and cats and you know they're all they're all coming for for Christmas. And um, uh, and I I go in I go into a, a blackout drunk and uh, and threaten all their lives. You know now is you know talk about talk about you know Scrooge. I mean. I'm gonna kill all you, you know, and 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 that's usually not the festive atmosphere people are, are looking for over Christmas, you know, and so uh, so they knew I would feel terrible after killing them all, but but they better get out of the house. So they did. They all took their Christmas way upstate New York, where I couldn't find them, and uh, and I come out of, I come out of this blackout like. And I started making phone calls. Like, where is everybody? <laughs> Where is everybody? It, it was not good. And uh, and I started. And for three days, I started to fish flop. Uh, it, it, you know, end stage alcoholism. A lot of times, what'll happen is you'll you'll be thrown into the delirium tremens. And if you've never experienced a delir delirium tremens, you, you know that doesn't mean you're not an alcoholic. Only a, only a, a small fraction of people. Uh, do, but if you don't know what they are, I can describe them like this: take terror, take convulsions, and and take hallucinations, and put them all in a blender and press ten. You know that that's what that's what the delirium tremens was. So for two and a half days, I fish flopped on the floor, and there was there was animals running around, and there were there was maggots on me, and there was big things scratching on the house to come in, and I was hearing marching bands. You know, uh, it was it was really it was really not good. I came out of that. I'd had some exposure to Alcoholics Anonymous. I wasn't sure AA was going to work. I didn't think it would. But I had run out of plans. There was just no plans left for me. And I think I think each of us um, during these these moments of clarity, I think a lot of times what will happen is is the grace of God will kind of direct us if we're open to it, if we're surrendered enough and done enough. The grace of God can become. Uh, available. And I believe that that's the power that got me to these AA meetings. Now, now I start showing up in, uh, in AA meetings. It's like, you know, it's like brand, brand new into 1990. And I don't, I don't know what alcoholism is. I don't, I don't know anything. But I grabbed a sponsor because you were told to get a sponsor. And this sponsor said, Chris, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you one thing. I'll give you one instruction. I want to see you at a meeting every night until I tell you to stop. So I did that. 
I did that for my first eight years. <laughs> I mean, you know, it wasn't like it wasn't like you know my daytimer was filling up with uh, with an agenda uh, at that point in time. Uh, so 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 I started going to meetings and uh, and he, and here's here's what I, here's what I realized again looking back on it. Massive amount of meeting attendance was able to keep me separated from alcohol but it wasn't able to keep me separated from alcoholism. And, and thank God I was sober, right? And I'm going to all these meetings, but I'm crazy inside. <laughs> I'm nuts. And, 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 and I, I gotta tell you, I, I, had learned the, I had learned the technique of looking like you're not insane. <laughs> we're, we're really good at that. You know, we can clean up you know, and, and show up sometimes. But, but so I'd be, so I'd be sitting in an AA meeting, you know, and, uh, and it'd be a discussion meeting because I went to so many discussion meetings. I'm rarely at a discussion meeting anymore, I'll tell you. But, but I went to, I went to mostly discussion because that's where all the drama is and the crazy people and, you know, so, so, so I'm going to all these discussion meetings and, and I'll be sitting there in a discussion meeting. I remember this happening. And I'm, I'm like, you know, I'm listening to the shares. And then all of a sudden I look over and you know who is raising his hand, right? You know the guy, right? And I'm like, oh, no. I'm saying this in my head. Oh, no, he's raised his hand. He's raised his hand. Oh, my God, please don't call on Blowhard. Oh, don't call on him. Oh, oh God, they called on him. Oh, now I'm going to have to sit here and listen to him talk about his family for like five minutes. Oh, 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 now he's grateful. Oh, that's wonderful. Oh, that warms the cockles of my heart that he's grateful. I think I'll go outside right now and slash all four of his tires. And then I'll walk out of the meeting with him because I want to see how that gratitude holds up. You know? I, oh, thank God. Thank God he's done. Thank God he shut up. You know? Now, I, I can't let you know this kind of stuff is going through my mind. You'd throw a net over me, right? So, so I'm just sitting there like a good AA. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. I, 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 I swear to you, if this is the kind of turmoil and insanity that's going through your head, you've got a toxic, you've got a toxic case of alcoholism. You know, and and I believe the steps, I believe the steps are specifically designed to treat that type of crazy. Because because if I don't become comfortable with you and comfortable with this thing called Alcoholics Anonymous and comfortable with spirituality and spiritual principles, I'm not going to make it, you know. So. So, so, so somewhere, somewhere along the line, some people gave me some big book workshop studies, and, and my sponsor came up to me, and he, he knew I had the, those sensitive newcomer alcoholic feelings, right? So he was always very, always very careful with me. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, you know, uh, it might be, it might be coming time, you know, when, when you should be thinking about doing a four step, uh, you know, some, sometime soon, you know, yeah, that's how he, he'd have to handle me like that. I'd be like, what? Uh, and, uh, so, so, so it came time. It came time for me to look at it. Now, 
I said before that the fourth, fourth step and the fifth step, it'll hit you where you are. But, but, it, but it also has incredible value for wherever we are on the recovery spectrum. You know, where it hit me in the beginning was I dumped things that I never thought I, I, would, I would ever admit to, you know, Tallahassee 77. You know, I mean, I, I put it all down on there. And, and, and I put down things that, you know, uh, patterns of my behavior, you know. And, and I, I put everything I possibly could on this. And then I, I went out with my, my sponsor. And, and uh, it, literally, it, it, he took me to a park because he, he liked to multitask. So he could walk his dogs while he was listening to the fist step. I do that myself today. I'm all about multitasking. Anyway, uh, anyway, you know, I have this thing. It was on two pieces of paper. I still have it today. The writing was so small. It, it would have been like negative five font. You know, I, I can't even read it today with, with my. But but there was a ton of stuff on a couple of pages, and I, and I remember we walked. You know, we we walked in. We walked. We're walking through the park. And I'm like, yeah, I resent my, my boss, and Tallahassee, oh, you know, and, and, and I dumped all this stuff on him, right? And he's just walking the dogs, you know, there's not a lot of reaction from him, you know, like, like that's really unusual. Uh, do you want me to speak louder? You, you, you know, and, and, the, and at the end, he goes, is that it? And, and I go, uh, I go, yeah, 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 that's, that's it. And he goes, huh, that's not so bad. We can work with that. And I was insulted. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I have to either be the worst or I got to be the best. You can't put me in the, in the middle somewhere, you know? And, I, and I, thought, I thought, you know, he'd be horrified with this stuff. He's like, eh. Yeah, you know, and I started to hear some of his story, and he, he was right. It, <laughs> <laughs> he crashed more cars than me. So, so anyway, um, anyway, that experience—you know—being as transparent and as authentic about my life as I could possibly be at that point in my sobriety, and and sharing it with somebody was was transformative for me. Because I walked into the park with my head down, like, oh, and, and I walked out with my head up. And it was the first time I felt like maybe I'm not such a, such, such a pathetic scumbag. You know, maybe I have this illness called alcoholism. And a lot of these things are, are reactions from alcoholism and symptoms from alcoholism. Maybe I'm not really a bad person and it was the first time I I started to to feel like that now now in the four step I later learned how to actually do a four step instead of just dumping a whole bunch of stuff on a paper because I started to listen to you know some really really good uh, good workshop workshop people you know, so I, I learned that you kind of got to use the book Alcoholics Anonymous, <laughs> you know, instead of your own head. And, uh, and but, but listen, I come from a period of time where nobody was cracking the big book. Nobody was taking sponsees over their house and taking them through the steps. It was unheard of in 1990. They would have they called the cops, 
<laughs> if they heard somebody was doing that. I mean, it was just different. So, so anyway, I hear these workshop tapes, <clears throat> and, and they kind of broke it down for me. And so, so the fourth and the fifth steps that, I've, that I had done from that period on were deeper, and they were more, more of a profound experience. So the first thing the first thing they ask me to look at is my resentment, and, and and you know the the funniest thing is I've worked with a lot of guys and they'll go I'm not resentful at anybody. <laughs> <laughs> you're so resentful you don't think you're resentful, you know. So 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 the first thing I need to look at is is who and and what am I angry at right. I mean, I've got, I am really unhappy. And at core, my life has not worked out very well. I've lost, you know, my driver's license, nine cars and drunken blackouts, a whole family. You know, I, I, could, I could give you the, the, the laundry list. Here I am with moms with a bad job and a $100 car, no money. And, uh, and that, I, just, I just can't take full responsibility for that. Not in a toxic experience of self-consciousness. So I'm mad at all of you. Because I'm not getting what I think I deserve. I'm not, get, I'm not getting the fair breaks. You know, the world, the world is not, you know, offering me what it should. So I'm mad at everybody and everything. And it asks me to go really deep into this. Not only does it ask me, why am I angry? It's, it, it explains to me that I can't be angry unless something I want or something I have is being harmed, threatened, or interfered with. So it asks me to look at those things. What are the, what are the things in your life that can become harmed, threatened, or interfered with? And, and I look at that. And then there's a prayer, and then there's a line of demarcation, and, it's, and, it, and it asks me to ask myself, putting out of the minds the wrongs others have done, where have I been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking and frightened. And that was mind-blowing for me. There were resentments that I had <clears throat> that when I looked at that, they were gone. The resentments were gone. You know, because, because honestly looking at my mistakes and my faults brought me to a realization that they, they probably acted appropriately <laughs> considering the circumstances. You know what I mean? So, so, so that was profound for me. The second thing it asked me to look at is my fear. I believe that, I believe that if Bill was writing uh, this particular chapter in 2023, instead of using fear, he would use anxiety because that's how fear presents in alcoholics. It, it, it's not like we're cowards. Quite the opposite. The, you know, watch this. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're, we're, not, we're not cowards. Uh, but, but, but there's a general level of uncomfortability, you know, deep within us. And, and the inventory asks me to look at this like, why am I uncomfortable? You know, why do I not want to do anything I don't want to do? Does anybody relate to that? How screwed up has your life been because you didn't do anything you didn't want to do? <laughs> you, you know, like, like sometimes the, the sins of omission are worse than commission. So, 
So it asks me to look at this. You know, why, why, you know, where's this fear coming from? It's an evil and corroding thread. The fabric of my existence is shot through with it. It creates all kinds of circumstances that, that blows Chris spot, spot up. That's a direct quote. So, <laughs> so I need to look at that. And I, I looked at it really, really deeply. All right. Then there's, then there's, they, they, call, they call it the sex harms inventory, right? But really what it is, is it's a conduct inventory. How have I been conducting myself? How, how thusly do I comport myself? And, and you know, what, how do I treat people? How do I treat the people I care about the most? And there's like, there's, you know, review the relationship, nine questions, uh, uh, put an ideal for my future life together, all that stuff was profound for me because I, I'll, be, I'll be honest with you. It, if a week after I got into Alcoholics Anonymous, you came up to me and said, well, Chris, what do you think about women? I would have said, you can't trust them. They're all crazy. You know, and I would have had this whole litany of stuff, right? I do that inventory and I'm the one that's crazy. You know, that, you know, listen, they tr I was treated way better than I deserved 99% of the time. You know, ladies, I, I, I was a restraining order guy, but I was pretty close. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? You, you got the hell away from me as, as soon as you saw a couple of things. It was like, uh, you know, <laughs> see you later. And, uh, and so, so, but, but... Uh, I didn't realize any of this stuff until I, I got deeply into this step four. Did anybody, when you were out there, did anybody ever ask you this question? What is wrong with you? <laughs> anybody that ever heard that question, raise your hand. Let the record show 800 of the 1,200 people, people raise, raise their hand. So, so when you would say that to me, because I heard that often, you know, I'd say, well, what's wrong with you, man? You know, I, I mean, I'd have to like boomerang it back on whoever was asking me because, because it, that's a difficult question. You know, I mean, I mean, what is wrong? The four step shows me what's wrong with me. You know, I, I was in a meeting the other night. I just moved to a new location. There's a, there's a small big book meeting with about 12 people, right? And, um, and we're, we're going through the four step. We're talking about the four step. And, you know, I'm, I'm going on and on about, you know, how the four step has helped me. And then at the end, I make the mistake of saying this. And if you're working with me, I want you finished with your four step at least in the first couple months. Oh, my God. This one person's like, oh, it took me four years to get my brains out of hock. Oh, right. And I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Who the hell wants to, wants to walk around for four years with your brains in a pawn shop? The fourth step is what gets your brains ad hoc. You, you, you know what I mean? Like, so, so, so anyway, not that I ever judge. Uh, far be it from me. Uh, so so this, this fourth step, is, it's revelatory. It, you know, find yourself a sponsor with a lot of experience going through this, and and it, it'll be it'll be revelatory to you. Uh, prior to doing, uh, I want to talk about this for a few minutes. Prior to doing the four step, 
there's there's a third step in the third step prep material, right? <clears throat> and uh, and it's really hitting me where I currently am at, at a deep level now. When I first went through it, it was about the prayer, you know, and about about the willingness and the preparation. But I'm reading deeper into it these days. And Bill Wilson says this. He goes, we're examples of self-will-run riot, though we usually don't think so. Selfishness and self-centeredness is the root of our trouble. Self, manifested in various ways, was what had defeated us. Now, I think he was serious when he was talking about this stuff, right? <laughs> and and, I, and I'm, you know, I'm, think, I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking, self, self has defeated us. What does that mean? You know, aren't, aren't we self and us? I believe today we're us. And I believe self is a condition. That's what I believe. I believe it's a condition because I'm slowly recovering from it. You know what I mean? So there, there's this book. <clears throat> there's this book out there. I think it's called Chasing the Scream. And it talks a... Uh, in this book, it gives an example of something that I found really fascinating. And this is the example. Um, there's a parasite that lives in the stomach of a cat. It's happier than a clam in, in the stomach of a cat. That's where it, that's where it chills. And, and when it lays its eggs, the eggs get defecated out and mice eat the eggs. And those eggs hatch inside mice. But the parasite doesn't want to be in the mouse. Parasite wants to be in the cat. So all of a sudden, the mice start doing something really unusual. They start becoming attracted to cats. And they start running around where cats are. And the cats kill them, uh, you know, eat the mice, the, and the parasite's back where it belongs. There's an, there's an outside entity that doesn't belong in the mouse that's causing it to act and it's against its own self-interest. And I see a lot of parallels to alcoholism. There's something, there's something about alcohol and alcoholism that causes us to act that's in ways that are not in our own, in our own uh, best interest. You know? And how do, you, how do you get to all this stuff? How do you, how do you recover from self? Bill talks about Bill talks about it, and there's there's no way of entirely getting rid of self without God's help. And I believe the whole program of Alcoholics Anonymous is based on this concept, this concept of of, a, of an outrageously toxic self experience. The, they ask us to inventory. Inventory our behavior and our thoughts, and I start to see, I start to see that I've misperceived everything. I've misperceived you. I've mis. My attitude and outlook on everything is being viewed through a prism of alcoholism and self-consciousness. And, and that's how I see my world. And so what I'm seeing is 
It's not accurate. Yeah, I'm seeing what's in front of me, but my relationship to it, how I behave in it, the value I put on things is, is wrong. It's, it's, a, it's a misperception. And the fourth step continues, the fifth step continues to reveal more and more about this to me, you know, as I, as I, I continue my path in recovery. So way back when, it was, I was like maybe 19 years old, uh, for a short brief period of time, I started to feel like there's an answer, there's a connection out there, there's something that's gonna give me comfort in the spiritual world. And I started to re read spiritual books because they would kind of make me feel comforted, comforted for five minutes. <laughs> And, uh, you know, I would read the Carlos Castaneda and the Alan Watts, and everybody was passing around these books back, back in those days. Uh, and, uh, and somebody handed me this book. It was called In Search of the Miraculous. It was, uh, it was by an author named P.D. Ospensky, who worked with uh, uh, Grujif. I always pronounce that wrong. Uh, and, uh, and in it, the whole book is talking about uh, talking, talking about vibrations and talking about octaves and talking about, about uh, resonance and dissonance in the spiritual world. And another thing that I think the fourth and the fifth step helps me to do is it helps me by showing me closer to what actually is. It enables me to change my perspective and change my behavior so that I can become more in harmony with my environment. I, I am telling you, I was in dissonance with everything and everybody when I was out there drinking. There was nothing I was harmonizing with. And today, uh, today I really truly feel that with an awakened spirit, you know, that's the brass ring, uh, with an awakened spirit, I'm much more in harmony with the world and the dynamics in relationships and understanding my true purpose here. And all that, all that brings me to a profound sense of gratitude to be experiencing my life the way I'm experiencing it right here, right now with you. You know, I, I am a, I'm basically a, a biological being having a, having a spiritual experience on this planet with you right now. And the way I see this planet is, this planet is God's playground. God built this planet and put us on it and, and we're on recess. You know what I mean? And, and listen, we're learning how to get along. Remember in second or third grade, you were on recess. You had to learn how to play well with others. I'm still doing that. You know, I'm learning how to play well with others. I'm, learn, I'm learning how to be a good employee with, with an employer. I, I'm learning how to be a good home group member with a home group. I'm learning how to be a good husband in a marriage. I'm learning how to be a good brother in a family. And I'm, I'm still on the learning curve of all that. But what's unlocked the key and let me out of the bondage of Chris 
was the third step, the fourth step, and the steps that you're gonna you're gonna hear more about uh, as we as we go on. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna end in a few minutes, but I want I want to tell you what I'm doing what I'm doing now. Um, so I retired. What happened was COVID hit and, and I retired. When COVID, COVID hit and I got furloughed. And the company never unfurloughed me. You know, they, they kept saying, "Oh yeah, you know, you know, we'll we'll be we'll be bringing everybody back." So so you know, I got on social security and all that stuff, right? But I'm sitting around the house, and uh, I got to tell you, my favorite thing in the world to do today, you know, being spirit as spiritually sound as I am, you want to know what my favorite thing in the world to do is? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing. And so my wife will come in and she'll go, what are you doing? And I'll go, nothing. And she'll go, nothing. You know? And she'll start listing all the things that I could be doing. Uh, and one of them was, get a job, right? So it's not like we got it, we got we need the money or anything, but 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 this job came up, right? This job came up. And it's like a really cool job. I, I, I my career has been in the facility management. Uh, business. I, I started out as an electrician, a drunken electrician. You know, if I uh, if I wired your house, sleep by the door. is all I can tell you. Uh, I I was not a good electrician. You, you know what I mean? I was forever blowing stuff up. Uh, my my hair my hair was forever you know like like out, out like this because I electrocute myself like at least once a day I would electrocute myself. So. Oh! My boss, God damn it! I told you not to touch it. So, so anyway, I, you know, I went from there. I, I got sober, and I, I, sta I started getting promoted. It's funny, I started getting promoted because I became promotable. Who would have thought? And uh, and I ended up, I ended up. Uh, the the end of my career was I, I was running, uh, I was running the, the facility business for pharmaceutical research and manufacturing sites, and. and uh, um, uh, uh, so huge, huge buildings, million square foot buildings with laboratories and energy centers and vivariums with, with primates. I mean, it just the crazy, the stuff that uh, I, was, I was in charge of. I, I always kept wondering when they were going to figure out, you know, they had the wrong guy. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I did pretty well with that. And then, you know, I, I, took, a, I took another job and then I got furloughed and... Uh, so last two and a half years or two and a half years or so, I'm chilling. I probably saw a lot of you on the Zooms, right? I was doing like three Zooms a day, you know, seeing everybody. And it was, uh, it was nice. Uh, and I was doing a lot of nothing. And so that became an issue. And, uh, and so, so, so I, uh, I took a job and, and I, found this, I found this facility management job that is so perfect for me. And, and here's where it is. It's a hospice organization. Now, I'm in charge of all the buildings. I don't do any of the clinical. You know, I don't engage every once in a while. But you know what I do every once in a while? I give somebody their last meeting. That's what I do. Uh, I did that last week. Now, we show up, uh, and it's easy, to, it's easy to spot us. Lung cancer, kidney disease, <laughs> you know, it's not, you don't have to be a brain surgeon, you know, you know to, to spot us when we show up there. And a lot of the people that are coming in have been sober for years, but, the, but we do damage, folks. We do damage, and we pay for that damage sometime later. 
and uh, and and I, I get to do that, and uh, that's really really a, a cool thing. I get to come out to Pennsylvania and hang with my buddies on a Saturday, you know, and uh, I've got a terrific sense of gratitude. I love Alcoholics Anonymous. I love all of you. Thank you, thank you, Andy, for. Uh,